Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I am Kate Rigby, Professor of Environmental Humanities at Monash University and I'm a fan of 3CR Community Radio, uh, which is 8.55 on your AM dial and I recommend in particular Radical Philosophy. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. And I'm speaking to Dr. Leva Toivanelli, lecturer in philosophy at the University of Tasmania, and we're going to be speaking about ethical issues in the care of older people. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Beth. Nice to be here. What was it that inspired you to study the ethical issues in the care of older people? I actually trained as a registered nurse in England in the 1970s and my philosophy career only started in the 80s. Um, I was a first-year student at the philosophy department at the University of Tasmania and then once I started to do my postgraduate study I also worked in a nursing home to support myself and I found that a lot of the ethical issues that arose in the nursing homes, I could actually explain them better, I could understand them better by applying some of my philosophical skills. And then later on, my own parents became quite ill and ended up in a nursing home, so there was that personal interest as well. And of course, more recently now that I am in my 60s, I... um, take a personal interest in these issues as well. Of course, I'd like to think that I don't have to go to a nursing home, but if I do, I'd like to think that I go somewhere where the ethical issues are taken into consideration. And what do you think are some of the major issues that impact on caring for older people today? Well, one of the sort of very basic concrete issues that, of course, There are more older people today than there are people live a lot longer. And conversely, in Australia, the population of younger people is less, so there will be less people to care for more older people. And of course, if you think about Australia being very multicultural, a lot of people, older people, they may not have any family here, or it might be that well, you know, there is not a community, the kind of community that you would have had, say, like in the country village where I was born, where, you know, my father's family had lived in the same village for generations. My father cared for his parents and so forth. Well, that obviously doesn't happen. And then, of course, if you look at the practical issues like funding of aged care, well, the government keeps telling us that we've got this budget emergency and we need to cut back and we are not entitled to things anymore. And then on a more philosophical, metaphysical level, I would say, well, we think about caring for the people either at home or at conventional nursing homes, but there's no kind of vision of what the alternatives could be, and I think that's the area that we should look at more. Not, well, how do we fund nursing homes, but 
I think we should try and look at alternatives of how we would get people into more pleasant surroundings even when they are older. Yeah, and look, I suppose one fairly difficult issue can be the use of restraint, particularly when you're dealing with an older person who has dementia and there are safety issues involved as well. Yes, this is a topic that I've been invited to talk to nurses about a lot over the years and certainly an area that I have grappled with in my practice as a registered nurse. And why do we use, well, first of all, physical restraints? Well, we think that somebody who is wandering might walk around, trip over something and fall and hurt themselves. Well, the truth of it is, well, that restraints can be harmful. They can cause injuries if people are tied to chairs as they used to be. And, you know, when the person is trying to get out of a restraint, they could actually die of strangulation, and this has happened. Well, I think one of the better ways of trying to deal with this in an ideal world, I think there would be a lot more staff who cared for people with dementia, and people would actually be allowed to wander around as much as they liked in safe areas where they were under observation. Um, then the other area where I think we should very more is the area of uh, chemical restraints. And I mean the use of various kinds of medications, you know, uh, sedatives, night sedations, antipsychotics and so forth, and also various interactions of the drugs. And I think this is an area that's not addressed as much because we think, well, the doctor has prescribed this medication, so they must be okay. And I, I'm very gratified to see that over the last several years, this is an area that, you know, is, is being investigated in more detail, and particularly, say, like the pharmacy department, pharmacology department of the University of Tasmania, they have done some studies, and there are programs with titles like hugs rather than drugs saying that you know really we should cut back on the use of medications and they should not be used in you know as a chemical restraint but we should actually find better ways of caring for people with dementia. Yeah no we we certainly should I agree with that and elderly relatives of mine who were living at home I mean, they'd, they'd always chosen a fairly unhealthy diet. You know, they had lots of chocolates, meat pies, and when when they were in their 90s, Akira came in and, and said they should be eating vegetables. And th- this created quite a bit of conflict between family members who said that they should have the right to continue with their chosen diet. And this raises one ethical issue of whereby reducing people's risk impacts on other people's right to choose and dignity of risk. Yes, this is a very typical example. You know, it's not a very far-fetched problem, but it's a very common occurrence. And looking at the age of your relatives, well, they were in their 90s, so however bad their diet was, well, they'd obviously lived a ripe old age and had done very well. And if you think about it at this age, well, what about the person's quality of life? And 
food is one of the very few remaining pleasures left to these persons. So I think, yes, I would just say, well, good on you, carry on with your chocolates and meat pies. It's a little bit different with people who may uh, develop swallowing problems. So you might say, well, we have to modify the diet because of that. But that's obviously not the case here. And I'm even thinking of people that I've cared for who are diabetics. Well, why would you say to them in their, you know, in their final years that they should stick to a better diet? Because all of the um, complications of diabetes, they have already got them. They probably had an amputation. They have probably got uh, cardiac disease and so forth. So I think, you know, it's a little bit too late to start worrying about them. I guess the other thing I wanted to say, and this is just a very general comment, that if we really all worried about all the diets all the time, there are so many different fads, we get told so many different things about what's healthy and what's not, and what is the superfood that it's in this week and next week is bad. If we really worried about all of this, well, I don't think any of us would ever eat anything and I guess I've just added that I don't smoke and I'm very anti-smoking but if you've got a person in their 90s who has smoked for the last 70 or 80 years are you going to tell them to stop smoking well I don't think so of course you have to be careful to supervise them with their smoking so that they don't uh, you know harm themselves or pose a risk to others with their smoking so supervised smoking areas and so forth. Mm, I, I think it's definitely up to the individual. My grandmother was, uh, she was 90 and she was told by the doctor that if she didn't stop smoking, she would die within weeks. And <laughs> But she, she did actually give up smoking and lived quite a few more years and had, had a much healthier lifestyle. But I mean that that was her choice. She chose to do that, and yeah. you know, and and it was actually quite good that she did give up. But in the same sense, I mean, if if she had had have told all her friends and family what the doctor had said and said, well, I'm not giving up. I don't see that it was our right to interfere with that at all. No, I must say that I really admire your grandmother's willpower because. So many people I know who really want to stop smoking find it extremely difficult because it is so addictive. So good for her. I think she sounds like a really incredible woman. Yes, she is. She, she certainly was. And you're listening to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio. And we're discussing the ethical issues in the care of older people. Now, there seems to be some financial incentives for the government to keep older people living in their homes rather than going into care. Do you you think this is beneficial in the care of older people? Um, On the whole, I definitely do, because uh, I cannot think of very many people who would have chosen to go into an aged care home. I think most people would prefer to live in their own homes, but of course... Some people's homes, as they are, might not be suitable for ongoing living independently or even living at home with some community support. And I'm just thinking of simple things like uh, 
a lot of older people have homes with deep baths rather than showers. Well, I think there should be just assistance to get your bathroom converted. And and as I mentioned, I think then there should be uh, funding provided for adequate community care. And I must say I'm very impressed with the community care provided in my own area of Dodges Ferry outside Hobart where the community care nurses visit all the people at their homes several times a day, up to three times a day. They take them shopping and I think provide the kind of care that everybody should be, you know, everybody should be having access to that sort of care, but I think it's more the exception. So, yes, I think more home care is much better than nursing homes. I think, too, people can take responsibility for themselves also. I know that just a couple of years ago I had my taps replaced and I thought, well, I I sort of had a look at the variety that was available and I thought, well, if I I get the flip handle um, taps... I'll never have to replace them. And if I do get arthritis in my hands, I'll be able to use them fairly easily. And I I think they look quite stylish as well. Yes, a lot of the solutions and the aids are quite simple and reasonably cost-effective. So I think, you know, we should look into doing things, more things like that. And, of course, there are programs in some area where you can get people to come and assist you with your gardening at home if you want. Mm, yeah, and also also I think that pets are very important and a lot yes. of the councils have programs where they'll send somebody out to walk your dog several times a week to give them the exercise they need if you're not able to do this. And I think that's really helping someone to stay within their home because there's not very many care centres that allow pets. That's quite a big issue, isn't it? Oh, it's a very big issue, and I can think of having looked after one old man who used to cry daily because he said, you know, I just miss my dog so much, and I find it unbearable to be in this nursing home because of that. And and he's by no means an exception, but uh, I just... You know, still remember him, you know, 20, 30 years later because I found it so terribly upsetting as somebody who was a dog owner that, you know, I couldn't contemplate living without a dog and a cat and my chooks, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, I I certainly agree with that. Um, A large percentage of older people living in the community are living below the poverty line with inadequate housing, insufficient funds to have adequate nutrition, not able to afford to heat or cool their property sufficiently or be able to afford any sort of entertainment. How much ethical responsibility should the government be taking for this situation? Well, I think that governments over the years have actually been instrumental in creating some of these situations and I'm thinking of the attitudes to women and work and when I first came to Australia in the early 80s, uh, women were not expected to pay anything in the superannuation scheme. This was in nursing because it was just assumed that your husband would take care of you when you are older. And, of course, if you think of women older than myself, women in their 70s, 80s, well, 
They were not allowed to work once they got married, and especially not if they had children. So these people who have worked very hard, who have brought up large families, yes, well, they haven't accumulated any superannuation, and that is not their own fault. That's at least how I see it. And, you know, you can think of very many people. So, you know, the old saying, and it's been attributed to various famous philosophers and politicians, this thing that, you know, it is a reflection on your society as to how you care for your most vulnerable individuals, including the sick and the elderly. And, and I think, you know, it's showing something about the uh, values of the culture if we do care for our older people. And uh, I'm thinking, of course, I come from Finland and I'm thinking of the Nordic countries and uh, you know, people, they, I think, feel more strongly that we ought to be paying, willingly, we ought to be paying more taxes because of social solidarity, that we should, if we are well off enough to pay more taxes, we should, because then we are taking care of those who may have missed out on things like superannuation or have not been employed throughout their lives like a lot of women haven't. Yes, I think that would be a fairly easy situation to remedy if the multinationals and the top top 1% of the earning population were taxed at a reasonable rate. It wouldn't, you know, there'd be plenty, plenty of funds to fund uh, people in their retirement. Yes, absolutely. I very much agree with that, yes. And yes, you mentioned before about uh, different different cultures. So, are there, are there cultural differences that have to be taken into consideration? Oh, I very much think so. I mean, unfortunately, at least in my experience, the nursing homes that I have worked at, um, they mainly cater for the white Anglo-Saxon individuals who speak English and who are familiar with you know, the Anglo-Saxon way of life. Well, you know, a lot of people in this country come from non-English-speaking backgrounds. And, of course, not even these sort of differences, but when we live in communities, a lot of us live with a partner, husband, wife. Uh, Also, there are many gay couples, there are many lesbian couples and transgender people. Um, And, of course, we also have people who are not religious people who are very religious. Well, how do we cater for all of these different kinds of needs? And I do think that we should we should accommodate these needs better rather than expect everyone to conform to the kind of care we provide. And uh, one of the words that gets used an awful lot in all sorts of documentation when it comes to age care is you know, so-and-so is so compliant or somebody who is naughty and bad is not very compliant. Well, I think we should cater for the non-compliant people a lot more. Yes, well, there's a reason why they're, they're being what you'd call naughty or bad. I mean, I, I don't think I'd be very very happy going into a nursing home and, and being told what to do, and I mean... You know, I, I suppose it even comes down to showing affection for people who are close to you as well. As you pointed out with a lesbian and gay angle, a lot of nursing homes are just so heterosexual that 
anybody who doesn't fit the heterosexual mould is fearful to actually come out in that environment. And I think it's just assumed that, you know, when you're an older person, you know, sexuality is no longer an issue. So even if you're a heterosexual, I think, you know, you should be past it by now, I think is the attitude. And it's not something that gets talked about anywhere near enough or, or then if people kind of form relationships in nursing homes, um, you know, some people are not very tolerant or understanding or just snigger and think it's kind of a bit laughable or ridiculous and shouldn't be happening anymore. Yeah, well, it's, it's even something to be talked about. I mean, you know, people, oh, fancy those older people still having sex. Well, fancy that, <laughs> you know, and it, it's actually quite, quite laughable, quite ridiculous, isn't it? Now, uh, there's a fairly recent term that's been bandied around, elder abuse. Um, yes. I suppose a, a few of the incidents we've spoken about can fall into the category of elder abuse, couldn't they? Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, there are various forms of abuse. So, of course, there is sexual abuse of the elderly. I think the most common form of abuse that I've encountered is financial abuse where one member of the family gets, you know, power of attorney or no formal kind of arrangement but just takes the old person's bank book in the old days or, you know, their credit card or their bank card now and, you know, on the pretext of getting money out of the bank for this older person actually uses it for themselves. And, of course, if you think about, you know, the kind of more subtle and more covert form of abuse, well, I think just the view that all people are all the same, you know, they are past it. You know, those sorts of attitudes, I think some of them almost amount to a form of psychological abuse that, you know, you you don't give the old person the time of day anymore. They couldn't possibly have anything to say on anything important anymore. So, so there are degrees of it and forms of it, and unfortunately it is a real issue and I think something that we really all need to be aware of. So people tend to have very strong views on whether older people should be cared for by their children. In your opinion, do children have an ethical obligation to care for and support their parents? In an ideal world, I think it would be wonderful if they did. And if you read a lot of the uh, Confucian philosophy, you know, in that kind of philosophy it's taken for granted that just as your parents cared for you then you care for them when they are older you read Lao Tzu and write this like that but in the real world of the 21st century I'm thinking of a lot of older people who have got no one they may never have had any children or some of them are so old by now that they have actually already outlived their children and they always tell me that it's the worst thing that could happen to you is to have outlived your own children. It's so traumatic. And then, of course, I've also talked to sons and daughters who say that, well, look, my parents were not very good parents, so I don't feel any ethical obligations. They were parents who 
spent all their money on drinking, gambling. There was never any money in the house. And I had a very miserable, deprived kind of a childhood. So it, it varies a lot. And of course, if you think about uh, the geographical distance, uh, a lot of migrants in Australia, not to mention the refugees, their parents are somewhere in another part of the world. And it's just not physically possible. It's not possible. Uh, it's not possible in any form or shape to take care of your parents. So, but uh, saying this, I do think that those of us who were not able to do that have actually uh, missed out on something because I think then you're left with this kind of a guilt that you were living on the other side of the world when your parents were sick and old and died. Mm, yeah, no, that's a very good point. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the program today. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about the, about the topic that is very close to my heart. Thank you. And I've been speaking to Dr. Lava Toivanelli about ethical issues concerning older people. Well, thanks very much for tuning in to Radical Philosophy. Hope you've enjoyed the program. I've certainly enjoyed your company.